1: Mike, good morning, how are you?
2: Are you imagine you were like Chris Evans at the start of TGI Friday? Yeah, cool, yeah. Now you're, yeah. now you're running through the crowd. You're high-fiving people, yeah, making
1: making your way to the table at the window. And my, my, one of my um, sort of producers gives me a piece of paper, and I go,
0: "Hey yeah. guys, welcome. <laughs> here we are.
1: Let's let's see what we've got planned for you today. Make it look like we haven't actually planned anything, which in fact I haven't actually planned anything. But anyway, there you go. Well, we kind of have. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's essential like your breakfast.
2: It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know, yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, give you energy like buck fast and if your head's in a pickle, or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah. Well, how, how do you do? It is the Keith Walsh Podcast, it's a minute from 11 o'clock at night, in the PM, and, uh, my name is Keith Walsh, and I'm uploading another podcast and doing the intro to it. Uh, it is the 22nd of the 3rd, March 2021, uh, BC, AD, yeah definitely, <laughs> 2021 BC, holy fucking shit, Uh certainly feels like it, if you know what I mean. Um, not going to do a huge intro, I just want to say if you're new to the podcast, you're very welcome, thank you very much for listening Uh, if you like the podcast, tell your friends and give us a rating uh, if you wouldn't mind and there is a contributors link, if you want to throw us a few quid towards the upkeep of the podcast and towards our dream of creating an animated 30 seconds of the podcast which I think is will cost us a few quid but Give us a few quid—five, ten, fifteen grand, whatever you can afford—and uh, that would see us. Um, that would see us right, mate. Um, anyway, I won't. I'll keep the intro short. Uh, thank you very much to ACAS, as always, for supporting us. I'm going to keep saying I'll keep the intro short, and then remember something else to say. Uh, I will keep it short because it's me talking a lot, and we got a message from somebody saying, "Oh, um, Keith." I'd be interested to hear more about you but I thought everybody knows about me come on anyway uh, Mike and I decided that Mike and I decided or I decided that Mike would interview me and just ask me whatever he wanted and he did and he asked me questions uh, that he had asked he asked my family what questions would they ask me which was very interesting Um, so I'll leave it at that I hope you enjoy um email as always is keithwalshpod at gmail.com or keithwatch.watch at gmail.com. I'm losing confidence in the other email. Um do feel free to get in touch about anything at all ever. Uh it is episode 83. And it's me talking about myself being interviewed by my friend Mike. Thanks Mike. <laughs> You've uh, you cut your hair. <laughs> Fuck yeah look at it no, I need to do
1: something with mine Yeah You, you really do need to do something with yours actually um, just, Because you're going sort of the whole Party at the front or party at the back Sort of, you know, that sort of thing Yeah, I look like, if you can see I don't know if you can see my hair um, I look like I've got three claw marks here
2: Oh, a little bit, yeah Yeah, yeah. see that, it looks kind of like uh, You're a, a rapper from The early
1: 90s Just got some lines yeah. shaved into your head Cool my name is Mikey Mike, but in fact, I've got three little um, divots in my skull, and it's like oh. a claw. It's like a, it's like some sort of a, a tiger has uh, kind of gone across my head. I like to think I was sort of, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I was in the Serengeti at one part of my life.
2: And if you're a Newcastle, someone might say, and you didn't know how you got the divot,
1: the divots. <laughs> And your sound really went. One thing I think I think we probably need to speak. at uh, to put our uh, microphone's off. But look, look at my nose. Can you see my nose? What's wrong with your nose? Oh,
2: this is your dog biting your nose thing, is it? Mm. Doesn't look too bad now. It looked worse when you sent me the picture on Monday. Fucking hell!
1: It's, shot.
2: It's imp- yeah. Did, did you? We didn't talk about this on the podcast, did we? No.
1: No. 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 But this board, this podcast is is actually going to bring the mic closer. Mm-hmm. All about you, Keith. Today is all about Keith Walsh. Mike, can I read out the message that prompted this? Yes, please do because I wanted to find out who who the fuck has put me through all this shit over the last twenty four hours.
2: Yeah, and it was literally uh, the last twenty four hours.
0: <laughs>
2: Hi Keith, this is from Owen O'Sullivan, I hope you are well, I am a loyal listener oh. of the podcast Although I've just finished episode 21, I'm way behind with your friend Mike talking about birds and feeders Oh yeah, that was a while ago, you need to get your shit together Owen Come on Owen, catch up <laughs> I could not stop laughing at the two of you. I have put all my other podcasts to the side. Don't tell anyone. We love you. We love Owen. You've some great people on so far. I have one suggestion. Of course, when I was reading this, I was going, oh, no, here we go. (laughs) Criticism, my (laughs) worst
1: enemy. (laughs) When you address the microphone, get a little bit closer, Keith. No,
2: don't <laughs> criticize me. And please enunciate. I have one suggestion. I find you very interesting, and I've been thinking about it for a bit. Would you get someone to have a chat with you about your life? I have nothing bad to say about the podcast. You're doing a great job, and I hope it goes well for you. Any chance you could read this out on air or some of it, whatever you like as I'd love to hear it when I do manage to catch up. Ha ha, in Cork.
1: Hi, on. Nice one, boy. By. I it going? boy. You're a long arm. Tig, not Tig, from Cork.
2: Uh, he probably, I don't know if he knows him. Everybody knows Tig. Tig Hickey, the, the yeah. funny
1: guy. Yeah, he's
2: very, very funny. He's very good. Very good.
1: Very funny, man.
2: Shout out to Tig Hickey. Um, so
1: over to you, Mike. Yeah, um. First thing I must say, we've got our we've got our cameras on at the moment. Have, are you missing one of the stalks on your glasses? Yeah, this
2: is this is like lockdown. I've I've broken all my glasses. These are the last pair, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah,
1: oh, this is yeah. my look. It's cool, isn't it? It is cool. Okay, so listen. Without further, as you say a lot, without further ado, you say that an awful lot actually on your podcast. Without further-, further ado. On don't your intros know. and your outros.
2: I don't know what else to say. It's like, and and then when I get to that point where I need to get on with, like, stop talking shite and get on with it, I go, "So let's get on with the podcast. Let's stop
1: talking shite." So just it, it's handy. <laughs> I think I think your intro bit should be. I'm going to stop talking shite now and, and let the podcast go. That you know that that should be as opposed to without further ado. Well, That's fair. more real, you know. I'm just going to stop talking. No, it's fine. It's good. I like this constructive criticism. I enjoy the preambles, but just the the, without further ado, I I want to hear a drum roll and I want to see some sort of Michael McIntyre come out and sort of go, hello. "Hello." I I suppose I I say these things
2: sort of tongue in cheeky. Like it's like, that's what you do. That's the proper ceremonial way of now, without further ado, the podcast. So. So you're being ironic. Well, you know, it's ironic at the start and then it's just a thing you do, you know,
0: Mm,
1: yeah, like the way you wear your hair. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the first comment I have to make about the interview with Keith Walsh is I don't like this person. So I'm hoping I'm going to uncover something that makes me actually like him, because that's the way I find most podcasts work. I listen to a podcast and I think, actually, I don't like this person. And then all of a sudden they say something or do something or refer back to something that has me sort of relating to them. And all of a sudden, once you relate to somebody, you can actually become friends with them in your little head, you know? So that's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to start off on the premise that I don't like
2: you. You're going to hope you're you're hoping that i will say something that will make you like me or at least relate.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny. Um, I'm kind of nervous now. Me too. Me too, Mike. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go down the obvious route talking to you about sort of mental health and all that sort of stuff that you do. Um, we could we could do that. We probably fi- fi- do that. I'm fine. With whatever you want. We can, we yeah. can,
2: it can be casual. It can be whatever. I, I'm just I'm just going to stop talking now. I just sit okay, back. I mean, am I close? Am I close enough to the mic, Mike?
1: Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah, I think your enunciation is good. You're uh, yeah, you're good. You're uh, yeah, you're you're sort of doing mouth exercises there like you're ready to answer. Yes. Probably, you're probably drying up because of the nerves, because I'm, yeah. I'm sort of like Brian Dobson being really incisive. Um, so I, I could go down the mental health stuff, and I could delve into your past, and I could go into, you know, the radio show and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of the obvious Keith Walsh that people want to hear about. But I think we should do something a little bit different, because I actually need to get to know you a little bit better as well. Because I don't actually know you. No. We 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 met in nineteen. I'm going to say 1993 or 1990, something like Three, that. Three, yeah. We were early to mid twenties. We were both sort of reassuringly self obsessed. I was I was your boss for all intents and purposes, and I wasn't really anybody's boss. I just showed up, um, and it seems that you know in those days, you were made a boss because you were better at showing up than anybody else. <laughs> You were a good you were a good boss, Mike. You did a good job. Yes, but, I mean, I was delighted with the fact that you came and you showed up and you did what you were asked to do. So, you know, it, 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 that was the management structure. Fuck it, he shows up. He shows up on a Sunday morning. Oh, my God, I can roster him on a Sunday morning, which is a horrible thing to do. But, you know, and I knew little bits about your life. I didn't know where you came from, really. I I, I knew Kildare... Um, I knew all sorts of things, but I didn't know where you were born. I don't think we ever had any sort of deep and meaningful conversations. We would never have gone on, like, breaks together. I'm sure if we went out, one of us wasn't sober, so there was no sort of in-depth, how's how's things going? It's going kind to, of like, oh, you want to fight? You know, sort of next, and we'll go to some nightclub or something. Or We probably whatever. couldn't so have gone out
2: together because you would have... Either I was either covering a shift or you were, you know, but we probably weren't socializing together much, maybe once or twice.
1: Yeah, I think maybe once or twice, you know, and I was in the upper echelons of huge management back then. So I probably wouldn't have been, you know, you I wouldn't. would have thought, go on, what are you doing with him, a luggage porter? How you dare. weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to mix with me. No, I was. I think I do remember going to the Anglesey Arms with you one night, actually. And uh, the old thing was we used to, we used to eat kettle chips, um, those crisps. And drink and that was like taking you over for dinner and drinks <laughs> that was the old sort of thing nobody ate which drank no. and sort of had salty snacks and wondered why we turned out to be morbidly obese anywho um so yeah this is all about me so far which is great <laughs> this is your um, moment mike yeah so I've, I've learned an awful lot about you like owen actually and if owen continues on the trajectory that he's on listening to your podcasts he will actually learn an awful lot about you because the only thing you tend to do, I think, in my opinion, no, no. When you're interviewing somebody, it's really nice. You just let them talk. And every once you might interject um, with something that relates back to you and whatever. And a lot of the stuff is quite heavy that you cover. So a lot of the stuff we know about you is the heavier side. You know, you left the radio and then you got counseling and then you did the hundred days of no booze. And then you did this, that, and the other, and there's, there's been things since the beginning of this podcast like uh, the lockdown and the no booze and the counseling and whatever that seem to have punctuated your life as you are now but here's the funny thing i don't actually know how old you are i don't i don't know where you were born i don't i don't know you know i know nothing really about you i know you've got a sister or two four um, four there you go you see i I didn't know these things and i only hear them in passing and you know when you're listening to a podcast you could be hoovering you could be driving along you're not always listening 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 acutely and i just thought maybe today we could just fill in a few of those little gaps that you know so we'll start off with the very early stuff right so where were you born
2: i was born in edwardstown in longford uh fuck me longford yeah (laughs) (laughs) we uh I grew up in. I spent the first four years of my life in Lanesborough on the on the on one end of Lochry on the Shannon, um, and yeah, we were born in Edgerstown because that was the nearest place uh, maternity hospital. It was like a, it was a place run by the nuns where the father yeah. fathers arrived, dropped the mothers off with the suitcase, and you know came back when they were called to come back. So we, oh, yeah, born in Edgerstown in Longford. And, yeah, four years in Lansborough.
1: What, what what year was that? 73. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm five years, maybe six years older than you. You're September, I think. September 29. Yeah. 29 September 73. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 73. So you you actually, um, to take a line of your book, uh, Terry Jacks, um, who had uh, Seasons in the Sun, came out in 1974. Now, I remember that. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm probably a bit older than you are, so I don't relate to you. <laughs> probably no, you're the, not. You're not you, old. Stop. You, you you probably know the Westlife version of that better than I would. Oh, no, I um, remember you know,
2: the so, Terry. I t- remember the Terry Jacks version, you
1: know. It was played in the I remember house. being... I, I remember it coming out as new. It was 74, I think. So I was six years old and I was on holidays. Anyway, so I was I was on the go. Um, and I, there's... A, there's a big gap. What I'm trying to get at is there's a big gap in our generations, yours and mine, um, a not imperceptible gap. I think um, you, your people who were born in the seventies are definitely different to those who were born in the sixties. You've had less misery to deal with than we have. You know, we, we had, you know, we had less electricity and running water and stuff like that. Whereas you guys, when you were becoming, when I was a teenager, technology was so far away but when you were a teenager technology it was the 80s so stuff was actually happening you know and mm. and, and for me it, it kind of it was lagging i was always trying to catch up to it so i'm just trying to say that you know we are from different sort of uh, we're different
2: yeah i haven't my, my older sister i just have to let the dog out here hang on i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep talking
1: Charlie, go for it moments
2: this is a big moment um my sister, I think my sister would be the same age as you, Anya, my oldest sister. So there, okay. there's kind of a, a gap between. She's 69, I think. God, is she? No, she must be older
1: than that. 69? She's 50, what? 52? 50? 50, yeah. Three. You don't know. This is Keith Walsh who does birthday cards for a living, doesn't know his own sister's birthday. She could be 67. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Which again is another jump, you know. Mm. Um, so why why were you in that part of the country? Why were you born in that part of the country? Was it to do with a parent's work, or had they yeah. migrated? Or
2: yeah, my father was an engineer, so he would have served his time in he. My mother, both my mother and father, from Kilkenny, uh both from the city, and my father would have served his time as an engineer and apprentice. After school, and then got a gig with the with board Namona in the power station in Lanesboro. I mean, Lanesborough was one of these places where uh, it had every, like, every, every, there was one person from every county in living in Lanesborough, this tiny town just on the bog uh, in the middle of Ireland, and uh, loads of people. It was all blow ins, you know, it was, it was a town just created by board Namona. it's closed down actually this year, the, the power station. So, um the town is just sh- a few shops and you know people who commute to other places it's it's there's there's a school there there's but there's not much there's no hotels or you know i mean it's it's beautiful where the river is and it's, you know you feel like it should be you know it, there there's tourism opportunities there but nobody really seems to have uh, found the money to to back it uh, but anyway there should be more there should be more there should be more Anyway, uh, I'm kind of getting off the question. So my my yeah my parents from Kilkenny moved to work and board in Mona, and my dad didn't. And my mother was obviously the housewife uh, mother, so she came as well. And uh, that's a, a funny, an interesting story. Maybe my wife's dad, my father-in-law. Am I going to have to stop? Am I going to have to mute my my right. video?
1: Probably yeah. Is that better? That's much better. We can hear you perfectly now.
2: Where did I? Yes. Yeah, so an interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. So my mother went along. Obviously, <laughs> she was our mother. She just went along. That's what. I actually. I was talking about this recently. Like businesses, factories like that should have paid two people. When you think about it, because the father generally was the father, the man of the house had to go to work to enable the man of the house to go to work for bourdonomont say for instance his wife had to do everything else which was look after the house look after the kids make dinners make food do whatever wash the clothes to enable him to work bourdonomont should have been paying
1: her too oh yeah and arguably they should have been putting you through private education i mean it's there's nothing different than um moving somebody a lot of people move to like china they become Uh, Emigrants and live over there and they'll get um, as part of their package they'll get like um, you know so the wife is going to get an allowance the kids all go to private schools you're going to get a house paid for and whatever just to make it easy so that we can bring you in here but there was none of that in Ireland in the 70s there was nobody had a job you were damn lucky to get a job Mm. and to get an engineer with boredom owner who were state-owned was just gold-plated you know you're gonna get a pension you're gonna get a weekly wage. Shut up, grin and bear it, and live in a bog.
2: The interesting thing about that was that my my mom and dad moved into one of the boardnemona houses uh, oh, right okay on the green so this is an estate built by Borden and Mona. It was on the green. You lived in the board Nemona houses. My mother's concern at the time was that because she'd seen if a man died either because of his work or just happened to you know some tragedy or whatever, or he just passed away or his wife had to move out of the house with the kids. So Jesus. her big stress at the time when we were living in the green, it was nice to get to Blainsborough and live in this and be given this house. And probably the rent was, you know, subsidized. Uh, subsidized. But if anything happened to my dad and work and work was a dangerous place in the seventies, um, we had one friend, one neighbor who ended up in a wheelchair actually.
1: Um, she, we would have been out in the streets very quickly, like you, you. Yeah, it's 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 almost based on the army type of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you you get to have the house, and they go out to war, and then they die, and then you're shafted out in the street. Yeah, that's that's not good. And of course, they wouldn't have had to get a mortgage then or anything, which left them vulnerable to house. You know, uh, inflation was huge in the 70s and the 80s, so you know they had to hold on to this job. You know, boarder probably locked them in. Um, now in fairness to my mother
2: yeah yeah so so you're kind of like you're stuck you had to stay there kind Mm. of like you know i'm not saying the board of money did that on purpose but that was one of the side benefits maybe uh my mother actually may not but she insisted that they basically got a mortgage and built a house out the road in lainsborough so that we had a mortgage and we had our own house and that was her her big main concern and i think then that sort of probably I was going to say <laughs> then she was chilled out after that, but she wasn't at all. But, um, but that was the big concern for a lot of people working for Bordemona. You you know, they, they tried to get enough money together, to earn a mortgage together to build their own house. Um, because, because yeah. of, it was a precarious position, you know, having moved from, you know, where you grew up and where you, you know, all your friends are and your family are to just somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like a, a funny story, actually, my, um, my father-in-law, Harry, worked in Bord and Mona. So when I met my wife, Suzanne, I met her in school and we were both in fifth year in school. I had just moved to Newbridge from Athlone. I walked into, uh, I didn't study, uh, I think it was history or art. You could do history or art. So I, want, I studied art, did quite well in the inter cert as it was, the junior cert. And oh, cool. wanted to keep studying art. So I had to go over to the girls' school to study art because they didn't do art in the boys' school. So every uh, Monday, Thursday and Friday, I'd go over for double class, double art in the girls' school, which was fantastic. You know, it was just me and Clyde and Fionn yeah. and Darren and Han, And we went over, the, we, we traipsed over, walked through the girls' school and sat in the class with the girls studying art. And that's where I met Suzanne. Uh, as we kind of sort of started going out with each other fairly soon after I met her first, turns out her father had worked for Borden and Mona at the same time as my dad, and they knew each other quite well.
1: Wow. So, what prompted them to go from the Midlands into Kildare then? Had well, sort of dried up. Um, I think.
2: I don't know. I think my dad just got a better. I don't know. If, I I actually don't know. Um, I don't know whether they didn't like at uh, um, Lanesboro or whether. But my dad went to so Harry did his apprenticeship in Bordemona. He went off then to he went back to Carlow, where he's from and worked in the sugar factory. <laughs> my dad ended up going to Athlone, uh, where he worked for a few different companies, and that was the eighties then, and that was fucking you know shitsville yeah. like picket lines, factories closing down. People being dicks to each other, like, you know, he and I think at one point he tried he, he had tried to set up his own company. So 80s was a bit of a sort of a in and out of work. My dad actually had a heart attack quite young, probably oh, probably due to stress. I don't want to speak for him, but I'd say due to the stress of life and the 80s oh, and having five kids and all this kind of shit. um, He had a heart attack at the age of about 40, which was one of the reasons I stopped eating meat. Um, but that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's Sorry.
1: another. Sorry. Yeah, we're just we go just, just
2: stick to the story. Keith. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. It's great because you know you you stopped eating meat because your father had a heart attack because yeah. he had stress, which has got nothing to do with eating meat.
2: I know. Exa- well, exactly. Totally. Um, <laughs> we can we can get back to all that in a while. But um, so he so at the end of the towards the end of the eighties, then he got a job in Dublin. Right. And that brought us to live in Newbridge and he commuted then up to uh, his gig, his job up on the Nace Road in Dublin, mm-hmm. working for Air Motive building or building the machines that built engines,
1: airplane engines or something. I don't know exactly what wow, job was. Okay. Um, quite a high flyer to have sort of jobs and job mobility in Ireland in the 70s and 80s was quite big. So you're all in Kildare. Um You've all come from Kilkenny, which is why you have links. I think you mentioned on the Danielle Quinn podcast that you yes. actually own Kilkenny Castle. Kilkenny Castle, yeah, yes, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm just trying to get more down as to why you why the link is to why you actually own Kilkenny Castle. And well done with that. It's a nice place. Lots of uh, nice stone in <laughs> there. Thanks. The gardens are particularly nice.
2: After um, lockdown, we should, we should go, me and you. I'll, I'll show you around.
1: Do, yeah, yeah. I actually went there uh, two years ago. It
2: was lovely. Ah, oh, so yeah, I have it locked up now for the yeah. <laughs> locked up for the lockdown. I'll have to get down and open up the windows
1: in a while. So right, so then you're in Kildare and yeah. you're at school and you meet the lovely, beautiful Suzanne, who I've often said is way punching way above your weight. But that's sure. you know that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, and you meet her. And what what spurs you on then to your leaving, sir? Um, how did that go for you? How did how did sort of education sort of look for you were you just kind of bumming around thinking i'll do something third level or was it during everybody had to do third level back then um
2: i don't like when i was in i hated school like i just me and school did not get on well i don't know whether why that was maybe was what was going on in in in, at home and and, uh, you know in my personal life but i just didn't i didn't have the I don't know what whatever was going on. I just didn't have the interest or the 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 inclination or whatever. Maybe the headspace for school, but I just kind of got through. I was probably quite bright, but um, couldn't really grasp what exactly was going on, sort of, and what was expected of me and how what I should. I didn't really have a plan, and there was nobody kind of really urging me to do anything in particular. I I, I wanted. To, I knew I wanted to travel. I liked doing art. I liked performing, like, so I did things like I learned how to play the guitar, not that well, um, and fifth year and sixth year, I loved, we did transition year, I think we were the first, one of the first years to do transition year, and wow. that's yes. alone, and that was great, I loved school that year, because it was photography, it was, we did drama, we did, like, we even had a chess class, which we, we, first, it was kind of a module, so it was like chess every Thursday for two hours, uh for six months you know so uh everything we did horticulture we did anyway i I, I remember at one point i was like i want to just leave go to the sb do an apprentice i've no interest in being in school and my mother kind of wouldn't wouldn't let me or said no to stay in school Mm. you can do whatever you want after that so i stuck it out uh didn't spend a huge amount of time in school in fifth year and sixth year i used to kind of go in a bit uh would, would go in after lunch a lot of days or you know just here and there, take a few days off. Um, but yeah, the leaving cert was a mystery to me. Really, I, I I sat it. I don't know what I got three, two, three hundred points. Um, and that was kind of it. I I wanted to study art. If, I'm just trying to think back. I wanted to study art, so I'd put together a portfolio an art class, oh, yeah. and I'd I'd sort of schlepped around to NCAD uh, to. Ballyfermot uh, Ballyfermit was a good kind of animation and art college then as well. So I went into Ballyfermit. I also went to a small college called Inchcore. Um, so I didn't get NCD. I didn't get Ballyfermit. And the only thing I got was this one year uh, portfolio course where you sort of built up your portfolio and then you'd go back to NCD or go back to Ballyfermot with your portfolio. Um I got. I did.
1: They used to call them foundation years. Yeah,
2: yeah. It was. It was basically foundation year, and it kind of gave me gave me a year to sort of just find out what I wanted to do. Uh, Moved out of my house at that stage, um, and I studied art for a year, doing that foundation course, getting the portfolio ready, and then I got into Ballyfermot. Now, Ballyfermot effectively would have been Mm -hmm. kind of another stepping stone to NCAD. So hmm. that wasn't a college property. It was kind of another inch core type school, but better and had a better art course. And you would have, you know, it would have been another year of working up your portfolio, basically, or two years, maybe. And then you would have tried to get into NCAD or Dunleary or something after that. But and I got Ballyferma and that was my plan. And then my a guy who was involved in the school came to me and said, we have a, a drama course here would you be interested in doing that? It's a two-year drama course. I think it'd be very good. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just a a two-year acting course. And that sort of, I'd kind of always done plays and musicals and been interested in doing that kind of thing. So I was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. So I, I dumped the art at that point and studied acting for two years.
1: Isn't that amazing? There's always a teacher, isn't there? There's always somebody who sees something in somebody. You know that that drags them up and sort of says, you know, maybe, maybe you know, art is you're good at art, but maybe you'd be better off, sort of, you know, the artistic side of you is out, sort of performing and doing stuff and broadcasting.
2: Yeah, it was interesting because that course was quite broad. Like we studied, um, and don't laugh, mime, um, <laughs> like so. If you can imagine, every like every Tuesday morning for two two periods, like we had mime
1: pretending to be in a class box. Yeah,
2: yeah, pretending to be in a classroom studying. <laughs> which is basically all I did the whole week. Um, we had uh, improv. We had, uh, we had, um, we studied Stanislavski. We studied some of the classics, some Greek theater, but we also did directing. Uh, writing was a, uh, something I enjoyed. We did a writing course. So script writing, singing, dancing. Um, I I kind of enjoyed, uh, yeah, the, I, I yeah, it was good. It was, I, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I, don't, I always look back and think I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. I was just going going with the flow. And uh, probably, you know, if I think back now, I think if I wish I'd done that and not maybe drank so much and paid attention to what was going on, I think, you know, I, I should have really focused
1: on doing on doing two years. But you're young, you know, you, I mean, yeah, but you, you can't say that because obviously... Um, the drinking and the the having fun is all part of going to university that's what we're all talking about these days with kids missing out on years this you know they're, they're all expected to stay in their halls of residence and sort of stay at home on their zoom calls and whatever the socializing is a huge part of it the getting to know people it's you know it's networking and it's it's actually you're you're you know you're performing in front of your peers all the time and no matter where you go into the canteen or whatever or telling a joke it's all about the interaction between you and you know you did pretty well off the back of it so fair play to you you know um I I don't think you asked around I don't think you wasted it in reality a lot of courses that we do um could be done in five or ten minutes you know as opposed Mm. to four hours you get four or five points out of doing a, a degree or a course that stick with you and then they become the sort of the, the points that you kind of live by. You know, somebody might have said to you, well, when you're looking at a microphone, do this. And that's stuck with you. And it's, it, you know, you probably do it to this day. And you don't remember them telling you that. Yeah. You were probably in a drunken haze. But yeah,
2: <laughs> it does. It sticks. The I remember my first sort of not performance, but like I was given the lead in this small production we were doing in the college. And it was a production called Every Man, And I played every man and and everybody else. <laughs> I was the main guy and I kind of held it all together. And I I had the bulk of the script, you know, which was about, I don't know, a lot of pages. Yeah. And then and the rest of the class were kind of like playing, coming in and out as different characters. And so I arrived at the performance, which we were doing for, it, was, wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a crowd. We were doing it for the, the older class. So the second years, we were first years and the other teachers. And I went out the night before and arrived late, hungover, really hungover, like still probably drunk not really knowing my lines and somehow fucking the mortification of just trying to stumble through whatever the fuck that play was supposed to be. And I had, you know, I I had some semblance of knowledge of the lines, but not really. And was still a bit drunk. It was, Oh man, it was fucking, I I still, I actually, I I talked to an old colleague of mine recently, Fiona Brennan, she's, she's an author and a therapist and. uh, Oh yeah. Yep. She was on the podcast and I, I, I talked about it and uh, I actually, it's funny, I used to be ter- Used to be one of these things I thought about as I drifted up, tried to sleep at night, you know, if I was ever hung over or uh, if my anxiety was at me. And I don't know, but recently it's probably because of the work I've done on myself now, I can see mm. uh, the, almost like I can almost enjoy it and... Uh, I can look back now without embarrassment or mortification and have sympathy for the kid who was like, who got too drunk the night before, probably trying to self sabotage. Because, you know, if you think about it, this is your big moment. What are you going to do? You're going to just go to bed early the night before, make sure you know your lines, do all that kind of stuff. The type of person I was was, no, I'm going to try and fuck it up because I don't, because I, I just can't hand grasp, I can't handle it. So I'm going to self-sabotage, you know, so it doesn't happen to me again.
1: The other way to look at it is that you're teeing up an excuse. If it goes badly, it's because I was drunk. Exactly. Exactly. That's self-sabotage in a nutshell. Totally, yeah. So what happened then? You you, you kind of, our paths crossed in London. I think you were still studying at that stage or had just finished.
2: Yeah, I finished. I did, I spent the summer, so I did a year of college, acting college. The next summer I went and worked on a film called Braveheart. For the oh, summer,
1: yes, yes, that's right. That's the that's how you got your job actually yeah. with me, mentoring Braveheart.
2: Yes, yes, which we can tell people about in a second. But um, but I so I worked on Braveheart for the for one summer, uh, and that was fucking great. Like that was a summer job. I was on set, getting fifty quid a day or something, and I just like like there was I had my own quad, no. like. Yeah, see, so I was got like, like I know this is kind of sound ridiculous to me, but I like had walkie-talkie. I had a quad. At one point, we were filming very remotely up uh, in the in the Wicklow Mountains, and it was middle of fucking hour. So I actually had a mobile phone, which was the size of two briquettes. Wow. Uh, it was a satellite phone. Um, so it was for a young lad. It was oh, it was amazing. The the I'd, one of the memories I have of that is the guy I worked for saying to me at the end of the summer, he said, look, I'm going on to another movie. Do you want to come with me and and work and do what you were doing? Like locations. And I was like, fuck yeah. My mother advised me to go back to college. And, you know, to this day, I still wonder whether I just should have stayed with the movies, but these things happen. And there's always these little, um, forks in the road,
1: isn't there? Where you, there are. And regret is a big word, you know, um, not to be used lightly. I actually don't have any regrets. I don't know if you're a person that has regrets or not. I've decided not to have any. Well, actually, over the I used to have
2: lots of regrets, and I used to think what ifs. Like, there's one mm. regret that I have that I've never really talked about. When I was in fifth year, I, I was in this band, right? We, myself and this my, two of my friends in my class, Shane and Clyde, and the and me, we decided to start this band, and we had a couple of rehearsals in. Clyde's shed and we were the three of us were equally as good or bad as each other right I had an old Yamaha guitar Clyde had I don't know if he had a drum kit he had it was a snare and a hi hat and that was it I don't even know if he had a a bass drum and Shane had an electric guitar with an amp so he was kind of a little bit ahead but he just got it and that would have been the per they would have been the perfect people to start a band with we could have just gotten better together or worse together um but shortly into so we just kind of set up and then there was another band in the school and they had already set up and they were kind of successful. And then one drunken night, this, the singer of the band asked me to join the band. Right. Mm. And I was like, fuck, yeah. So I left <laughs> I left this <laughs> band that I just set up to join this other band. <laughs> so this is like, think about this. So I joined this other band. Right. So there's a lot of things going on here. The guy who was drunk when he asked me to join the band, right, he probably shouldn't have because he didn't ask the other guys. <laughs> I start turning up at rehearsals. The other guys like, we, we didn't, we don't want this guy in the band. Yeah, like I was their friend. That was fine. But they were like, I couldn't really play the guitar. Like I was, I was learning. I could play some chords. Oh, no. And over the next few weeks, I kept kind of turning up to gigs and rehearsals and standing on the <laughs> stage and trying to play along. And then eventually they got the courage, which they should have done the day after they asked me to join. They should have said, I was drunk last night. I shouldn't yes. ask you. And Eventually they got the courage or they they got their inverted commas, manager to ask me to, that, you know, to ask me to leave the band, um, which was devastating for me. And when I look back, I was like, why the fuck did I just, you know, it would have been perfect to have formed that band with the two guys and we could have, you know, found our own thing and, you know, but, but that's, I was a very sort of um, flighty young man. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah easily, I, I was easily, I was easily led
1: to achieve and sort of get on the winning side as well, which is not, you know, not, a, not a bad thing. Um, you know, leaving your friends in the shit, obviously.
2: <laughs> they were not well. Like but I have to apologize. Do to, to, do? to Clyde and and Shane. They just they just did their own thing. Like they were, I don't know. Like Clyde, Clyde is. A, I think he te- he's an art teacher. So he kind of he would have. I actually was in college with Clyde studying art, and and uh, he went on to do art as a living. He's 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 a grown up kind of lecture art type person. Um, and then I don't know what Shane does. But uh, but the band like the, the band I the other bands they're not a band anymore like that was a school band you know but we I had some good moments of that band because I got to stand on stage at gigs and you know uh, look cool I, I I I always thought they asked me to join the band because I had long
1: gish hair and I kind of looked cool and skinny you know you did you had that sort of um, um, I'm gonna say uh, heroin chic before it became cheeky. Yeah, Um, And you had beads. That was my lasting memory of you was beads around your neck and sort of saying, listen, can you just do your tie up a little bit because your fucking beads are on show? And I think you had a tiny little bit of hair on your chest as well. And uh, (laughs) it was like, listen, you know, don't want to scare away the horses here. We need to look smart, not like some fucking, you know, bog trotter with a fucking load of beads on from Woodstock. (laughs) This is a hotel, not a fucking...
2: (laughs) Not, not a gig. It's
1: not fucking electric not a, yeah. picnic.
2: Everything was a gig for me, man. Oh, yeah. That foyer was my stage.
1: <laughs> well, it was. And that, that's very interesting <laughs> because you did, you, you know, I say you, I didn't remember much about you, but you, you, you could talk the talk, and that's all you wanted to do. If anybody says anything to you, you weren't going to sort of shy away and go, oh, my God, that man upset me or whatever. You're just going to laugh it off. And, you know, you were very good at communicating with people back then. You could talk, which is a, an amazing. If I could teach children anything, just talk. Everybody's just human, you know, no matter who they are, how wealthy they are, or what who's made them a prince or whatever, or an actor or whatever, they're not. They they still shit, you know? Mm. Just talk
0: to them.
2: It was great. Uh, that job was great. I mean, I loved it because, I mean, I loved the idea of being in kind of in the middle of London, and I loved, you know, running out onto the streets and sort of trying to flag down a black cab or, you know, mm in the rain for some dude and trying to get a tip for it. And, you know, it's, it's a hustle. It's and, and, and like, I really enjoyed, you know, the variety of people I met and uh, it was just a great, it was a great gig. Like having worked on Braveheart the year before and then worked in the hotel, like it was, you know, you don't get like whatever. I mean, that's, you don't get that in college. Uh, and th- those are no. two, those are two particularly good jobs to do for a young person. I think because, you're forced to communicate. You're forced to kind of hustle. You're forced to, you know, try and figure out how do I make the most out of this job? How do I make the most money here? Uh, and it was a direct thing with, with that job because, you know, people would tip you more if you were better at your job, you know. Absolutely. So, yep. um, yeah, it was a great gig. Great job. I always kind of I, I always look back and think that was my favorite job ever.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was that time as well. It was it was good fun, and it was a sort of an early doors of that hotel, and uh, there was a, there was a good vibe. The management team were very funny, and uh, everybody sort of socialized. It was like mm. to inter- it was like going to a club. But I think to interrupt you there, um, the listener would not forgive me if I didn't ask you: um, Did you actually get to meet Mel Gibson?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like it's hard to explain, but like. I would have worked quite closely with, like I would have been on. So I worked. My job officially was like we were take, these people were taken on as marshals, you know. So hmm. ba- basically, your job was to kind of stop the traffic, or you know, if there was a shot and there was a road in the distance, and actually, I think there was a there's a mini in the background and in, in Braveheart. Is. Yeah. So that was my fault. Um. So there was like there was about ten marshals, and you'd be placed at a road or whatever, but. Then I would, I was the guy who was would be brought down onto set. So I kind of end up working with locations, and I'd be, I'd be on the set saying "quiet on the set" or stopping people getting too close to the set. Or if there was people on the set, I'd be like, you know, putting my mouth, my finger up to my mouth to tell them to be quiet if there was mm. a scene being shot. So I was there by the camera, by the mics, by the sound guy. I was the marshal there. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Um. So I used to go on recce So if you were doing a reconnaissance of the next shot. I'd jump into, there be a couple of Jeeps would head off from the, the main set and we'd head off into the hills in Wicklow and it might be me and my boss and then it would be Mel and the director. So there'd be like six of us standing on this hill and Mel would be like, yeah, we're we're going to shoot that way and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, so, I, so I was in that sort of, Jesus. So it'd be just me and Mel and the director and three other guys, and we and I'd be, i decided no fucking why I was there. I was like, yeah, cool, yeah, good, yeah, I like that. You know, you know the way they make squares with their fingers to get yeah, the shot. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I, I was like doing that. Um,
1: I, I wonder if Mel actually sits back and thinks, God, Braveheart, that guy, remember him, the guy, with, <laughs> the guy with the beads. <laughs> the fuck he was doing there what the fuck was that guy there and <laughs> um, I wonder if Mel had heard that you joined the band and they had to get rid of him as well so he was like get, get somebody can somebody in the balls to get rid of this guy he just keeps <laughs> turning up I
2: was I was kind of I was kind of like that kind of person I'd just keep turning up like if I had a job and my job was to man the road you know two miles away to keep the noise down I would be like no I'll, I'll just come down on set and work there like I I was quite shy but I was quite ballsy at the same time like I remember a friend of mine when we were very young got called up for trials with Athlone Town which was a big deal because we played for the team Willow Park a couple of the lads in the town from my team got called up to for trials for the town team you know for and hmm. Athlone Athlon Town was a big club at the time and I went along <laughs> <laughs>
1: No for reason
2: i went along and did the trials and they were like well, who is this guy what's his name i was like yeah uh keep And they were like your name's not on the list Yeah, it's grand and i just did the trials and uh, obviously didn't get in the team because i wasn't good enough because that's why i was asked not asked to go on the trials but i would do that kind of thing i turned up um another time with my dad i told my dad that i was going to be a ball boy for Athlone Town at one of their matches at <laughs> And he didn't know any better. So I just went into the room where because I'd seen them where they go uh, at half time, the ball boys. So the next match I we went a little bit early. I went up and hung out with the ball boys, went into the dressing room where to get ready. They were all looking at me. I was <laughs> I decided I was a ball boy for the game. Like <laughs> at, at half time, the ball boys got a six-pack of bottles of orange, you know. <laughs> there was seven ball boys, so they were looking at me going you're not supposed to fucking be here. Like the guy, the one of the, one of the men at the end of the match had to come up to me and said, don't, please don't come back. You're not, you're not supposed like like,
1: <laughs> do you I think th- maybe in, in, if, if you were at school now, if you were, if you were 16, 17, 18 now, right. That maybe you might've been assessed for
2: diagnosed. Uh, yes. Yeah.
1: Probably. Possibly. Yeah. Like my wife would say now,
2: maybe there's some, a bit of ADHD or something there, or, uh, There's something. um...
1: Interestingly, you mentioned your wife, because I asked you, and I don't know how hackneyed this is or if it's ever been done before. It probably has been. Um, When you said to me, can you interview me? My first thought was, I'm going to get your family to ask you questions. So I got them to get in touch with me to ask you questions. And on the, you know, on the I am a ball boy, I haven't been invited to this band or, you know, Mel, Mel Gibson. I'm stalking him type of thing when you just keep turning up and doing things um your your wife sent me a very interesting text last night and i'll I'll quote from it if you don't mind it says hi mike suzanne here hope you're well i am well thanks very much suzanne thanks for asking my question is to keith what is your next challenge (laughs) keith always has a challenge challenge slash something up his sleeve it's been quiet of late Now, Suzanne, if him being quiet at the moment is him being quiet, I would hate to see him when he's sort of up with his energy because you're doing cards, you're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcasting, uh, you're in Clubhouse, you're doing radio something or other, um, you're writing Doing a one-man play, uh, uh, so you know, and you're on hundred days of no booze and eating intermittently <laughs> intermittent fasting. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Go intermittent on. <laughs> fasting uh, with with specifically, and you know, you mentioned this a number of times: sourdough hummus and uh, peppers from a jar sandwich every day at the same time. So, her question is: Do, do you have something up your sleeve? And and she says you've started running again. So
2: Yeah, so I mean, I'm supposed to be running a marathon, maybe two this year, and uh, I'm I've kind of tentatively started the training for that. So this weekend I have to get up to eight kilometers in my long run on Sunday. So I have to do five today and eight tomorrow, and uh, that's where I'm at with that. And and there's a there's a definite marathon, possibly half marathon in November. It'll be a half marathon if I'm touring and I'm doing the play. It'll be a full marathon if I'm not, because I don't want to do a full marathon and then try and go on stage that night. Uh, and then Brezzy, who was on the podcast, has a thing called Marathon Mind, where he's training people to do walk or run a marathon and kind of following that schedule. And that's sort of that's kind of my challenge at the moment. But I'm there is definitely something in the back of my mind. Um, I interviewed a guy for the podcast, which hopefully will go out on Monday who went up who attempted to climb Kilimanjaro with a with a washing machine in his back and also <laughs> also ran from Belfast to Waterford with a washing machine on his back um, so there's something brewing in me that I'm like okay I'd like to do something like you know I was thinking this morning was like, what if I ran from where I was born to where I live like you know Lanesborough to Newbridge what would that be like how long would that be
1: so I'm I'm always to, trying to think of something Um are are you trying to think or are these thoughts are you you, you, your mind that to somebody outside now is an unknown psychoanalyst, um you're kind of like a butterfly hitting different little things and kind of you know grabbing oh I'd like a piece of this and oh I'd like a piece of that and oh I'd like a piece of this. I mean, do you actually sleep? Yeah, I do. I
2: yeah, I find it very hard to focus, I think. Um
1: (laughs) no shit
2: but but I kind of like like this morning I had to get I had to get some cards made and done and drawn and get them over to the shop before the podcast so that was I mean I was able to sit down and do that and I kind of had to spend most of last night designing them and deciding what they were going to be then I got this morning did that like so I'm focused in some ways um but in other ways I'm quite flighty and uh and yeah I don't know if there's an and
1: you know, you say you're quite focused, but in the middle of all that, you then put up a video on one of your um, feeds of you designing the card. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, it's not like like it's you've got you've got this kind of thing to you know you've got this point at which you need to do something, and it's achievable. It's like you kind of not self-destruct, but you you put things in you. You really do challenge yourself all the time. Yeah, a yeah, hundred, I, like. 20 percent
2: yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be drawing the cards and I'll have to have 20 cards drawn and in the shop by 11 and I'll also decide halfway through drawing them that I'm going to make a video of me drawing them and put that up on social media and uh you know and, that, and that, like yeah yeah so I'm quite um yeah it's hard I find it hard to focus but I do I am I am a fi- I, I'm a task finisher like it's not like I I get distracted and don't finish things. I will finish things and I'm getting better at that. But uh,
1: yeah, I find it hard to focus. I think it's almost actually, <clears throat> you think you find it hard to focus, but you're actually super focused. You actually achieve an awful lot within a time frame that a lot of people wouldn't achieve stuff in. And you do an awful lot and you keep balls in the air. It's like, there's no time for boredom. You know, the devil likes idle minds or whatever. Ain't, ain't none of that going to happen here. It's like keep me going, keep me going. You know, it's like a, a dog with a ball. You know, I could throw a ball for Poppy for eighteen hours, and she's like, "Oh yeah, whatever, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going." And and when you throw that one for me, and when you throw that one, you know that sort of thing. Mm. You are just you 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 need to. It seems like to me like you 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 fill your stuff. You know, you you pack so much into your life, and, and do you find time to relax?
2: Yeah, like most days, I would meditate. Um,
1: um you see now, no, no, it's not relaxing. That's well, that's, well, that's 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 doing another chore. You see, you're kind of forcing yourself to do it, but you actually just sit down and scratch your ass at all. Um occasionally, yeah. I, I find I
2: do find it hard, but I'm like that's the meditation. I'm trying to use that to help me to learn how to relax. And I I'm I'm getting better at reading. I'm getting better at reading is hard for me. Mm. Um I find it I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting better at reading. I'm getting better at focusing on things. Like that, and I'm getting better at just sitting down and watching something. Um, the problem is, if I watch something, I'm having five different ideas about what I'm watching at the same time without just watching it. I'm thinking about <laughs> how it could be better, how I could do something similar, yeah. how I should be the actor in that, how I should be, how, what. And, and then I'm thinking about, I should have been, I should have tried harder at the act. You know, it's all this, it's constant, constant. You um, inner monologue isn't yeah constant inner monologue and i i don't i'm trying like so my work now is a lot is just trying to figure out what are just passing thoughts and
1: what are things that i need to act on okay <laughs> yeah that's yeah so <clears throat> a, a, a great question from your son which i may put in at this time um so dad from finn where do you see yourself in 10 years Oh, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, it's a horrible question. <laughs> yeah, 10 years, fucking hell.
2: I'll be, uh, I'll be thinking about my 60s at that point. Um, yeah. Where where do I see myself in 10 years? I think I want to, in the next 10 years, I want to travel a lot. I don't know that if that's because of lockdown. I want to create a life where I can do work I need to do within a short space of time, or the work becomes a sort of a, uh, I like the idea of traveling and that being my work and not traveling, like not like doing a travel show where you like you arrive, you you film and then you fuck off like that. It's exploring other cultures, other countries. uh, And I don't know how it's going. I haven't really formulated it yet, but also yeah, I don't, I don't really... I, I, I think I'd like to be doing this, but maybe earning a bit more money for it.
1: Of course, yeah. Maybe we could do a tandem around the world. Totally, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not very fit, so you could do the front. <laughs> <end>. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> literally like. drag me around the planet on a bike. <laughs> That's very appealing, actually. Totally, like yeah. anything. But I think...
2: Uh, I think... But also, you see, in that... It, I don't, it's not like I don't want, I don't want to fuck off. Like, I want to spend time with my family. I don't mm. want to be away. Like, so, so it's kind of like, how can I, I need to figure out a way of putting everybody into a bus. And you, Mike, you can cycle behind us. Um, and then, and just kind of fucking off for a few years, you know. But maybe, maybe it'd just be me and Suzanne. Maybe Suzanne will be too busy with her business. And maybe it will be just me heading off every now and then. Um, But where do I see myself? I don't really have ambition to be a success in anything. I think I just want to do more of what I'm doing now, which is exploring the possibilities of life and the world and what's out there and what could I do and how could I how could I how could I experience more? I don't know if that answers your question.
1: It does. Well, it's Finn that ultimately will uh, will decide whether his question was answered or not. But uh, yeah, I think that, that's a nice sort of, you know, it's not you're not wanting success. You're wanting to sort of enjoy this planet. Not yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. I want to.
2: I want to in 10 years look back and go, man, that was fucking brilliant. 10 years.
1: Yeah. Whilst making cards in a motor home with your children. And uh, yeah, brilliant. Um, so um, again, I asked um, for your daughter, Anna, to uh, give us something. And uh, I was convinced because you've mentioned her in the show. You've mentioned all your family. You've mentioned Suzanne being busy. You've mentioned Finn being this kind of guy who walks around at midnight going, wow, I'm cutting my own hair, you know, <laughs> and cut noodles out of my underpants. Um, and you've mentioned Anna. And the one thing you keep you keep coming back to about Anna is her strength, determination, very strong willed <clears throat> woman. Yeah, yeah, So I was absolutely convinced that there was going to be nothing from her. In, a, in that sort of teenage stroppy, oh, go fuck yourself, you know, sort of, you know, you're not important to me sort of thing. And I couldn't have been more surprised. Um, and maybe we should do a special based on Anna's questions for you, because it's quite the list and it's really well considered. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And, and and quite deep. So we'll probably we'll probably run through I don't know how long we've been on. Normally that's your to keep an eye on. And how long we should be on, and what we should be doing—I don't know. But I don't—I don't want to rush through these either. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, it's gonna be. Yeah. So be off, this time. is an
1: off the top of your head one, okay? So uh, like a quick fire question, and there's a couple that you can actually dwell on. Okay. Um, what's your favorite thing to do as a family? Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, what's my favorite thing to do as a family? Probably eating out, because uh, I'm, I'm obviously I was trying to think of things that we can do at the moment. But uh, I, I, actually, I love going on holidays. Uh, I love when we're somewhere hot and I'm trying to get them all. To, we went to, on a holiday to Turkey years ago when the kids were very small. I'm trying to get them all to go back to Turkey because I like Turkey because it's, you know, if you're in Turkey, it feels like you're properly foreign. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like you're yeah. properly far away. It's a different culture. It's a different uh, you know, if you go into the markets or if you go into the town, it's like it's proper properly away. You know, you're close to the desert. You're close to Africa. It's like this is, you know, you're near the Middle East. It's 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 like like I was in the Lebanon at one point, And you just get that sense of like the heat, the white hot heat of humanity. Do you know what I mean? This is the mixing bowl. So I love that holiday uh, because of the heat it was like 40 degrees. I love that. And it was a nice hotel. And and also we got to kind of explore the turkey as well, a little bit of uh, of it. But yeah, I think when we're on holidays, that's my favourite time. I think we... I'm I'm, I'm pining for it at the moment.
1: There you go. And uh, of course, I'm Brian Dobson, the incisive interviewer. I should have realised that the... I should have actually read the second line, which was what's your favourite memory together? So you've kind of answered that. Um, I think that's my favourite. Well, any
2: holidays. um, It'll be interesting because I think the next holiday I won't actually you see some of my I, and I talked to anna about that i was like oh i don't drink at the moment but i do like those sitting at the pool and that sort of like yeah. 3 3 o'clock beer you know and anna is getting to that age where she'd be able to join me and my wife and
1: you know so it's but but uh i'm hoping you know, to... maybe have a glass of wine at dinner i don't think anybody's going to judge you no i i totally I, I, and i know they won't but
2: uh, i'm um like I, on that, on that score on my own worst enemy when it comes to setting rules for myself. But um, you think? I, I think um I think holidays, any of the holidays, any pick any holiday. And that, that was that was my favourite time in my family. So pretty much any time together with them is what I'm getting. Pretty much. I've really enjoyed lockdown.
1: Because yeah, and of, you're, because you're allowed to say that a lot of people aren't allowed to say that at the moment but I, you know i've enjoyed it for various reasons as well apart from the obvious but you know your truth to quote megan Merkel, is that you've enjoyed having time with your family there's nothing yeah. wrong with that
2: yeah and i don't think and i think for a lot of people we're never we're we're almost ble- like we're yeah so lucky to have this time yeah N- no generation has had this time like this before and and unfortunately for some people that it's it can be it's stressful because of work and all that but i don't i'm not earning a lot of money we're just figuring it out you know and trying to enjoy it for what it is you know
1: so to get on to her uh, next piece um what's something that you knew you wanted to change for me and finn that you experienced or didn't experience during your childhood oh my god I fucking know. Man. Fucking hell. Oh, I, 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 I I, when I got these, I thought, fuck, there's an hour and a half in this one. Easy. You know, um, that is huge. Well, lots of things, I think.
2: Um, I think the big one was, and I, um, this is a big, heavy one, but I think domestic violence from adults towards children, uh, whether it be, and I said domestic violence, that's in the home, but even in school, I'm not saying that I changed it, but I didn't want to be part of that and I didn't want that to be part of their story where they had to experience physical violence on them from an adult,
1: Hmm.
2: which was huge for me. I mean, like a huge thing that, and a lot of people will, will, our age will, will know this, but it can be a thing that is, that is a thing when you grow up that you can just, Without thinking about it, automatically, just use as punishment slash take your frustrations out on your children. Uh, I never really wanted to take my anger out on them physically or mentally, so I that was a big thing for me. I I I hoped I'd hoped that at that point they wouldn't experience it in school anyway, uh, which was the case. Thank God. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, there was an awful lot in, in my, again, we were, you know, I was ahead of you. We were mm. I was beaten soundly in primary and secondary. Um, but there were no, there was no, um, no, um, physical, um, sort of abuse of children in the school I went to in England, you would get the slipper or the cane. I suppose it was physical abuse, but it was really, really, really a last resort. Um, Whereas when I came back to Ireland um, in primary school, I went into a Christian brother school in Limerick, in, in and I remember um, the class bully being asked to hold another, a weaker child's head down by the, um, the dust rack from the, the blackboard and keep their eyes open while the Christian brother blew the chalk dust into their eyes. I mean, you know just uh sadistic absolutely there was there was pleasure in that pain yeah yeah that's sadistic
2: that's a different
1: oh yeah yeah
2: that's a whole different when you when you give when you allow or give the freedom to sadistic people um it's a recipe for fucking disaster you know whereas if those people know that they're being watched and if they if 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 what they do is will be is frowned upon or pu- they will be punished that you you know it's it's it was insane it was insane how this country uh decided to control i don't really i wanted it to be a kind of a i find it difficult for finn because he doesn't really love school and there's part of me is like i just you know if i could find another way i don't really agree with the control it's not as bad now but um, the way we decided to treat our children as second- class citizens and our women as well, to me was a bad move, bad, bad move, insanity, and, and ter- a terrible thing to do to half the po- to more than half the population, you know and that was that was meant the men in charge deciding that from the Catholic Church to the politicians.
1: Oh, yeah, and I think it's come an awful long way, but it's still far from perfect. Um, but with that in mind, you've managed to to... Keep your children out of that sort of sphere, which is fantastic.
2: You know, I hope so. Disciples. I hope so. Yeah, you have to sort of um, stop passing the trauma on at some point. And, yeah, uh, you absolutely. Know, and give them the freedom to to live their lives without trauma. That's that's my that's the big one. You know.
1: Okay, so now we get on to the next one, which is as a dad. Like that's a loaded that, you know,
2: shit. Jesus, <laughs> that's like whose idea was I this, Mike? Who was this idea? Whose idea was What's this, Mike? Fucking Owen. Oh, yeah, fuck you on.
1: As a dad, um, what's your number one priority for us? For example, a good education or good morals or whatever, you know? um,
2: I think um, just contentment. I think I think that's the key because I think everything else will fall into place you know uh if you're content with the people that you associate with with your um with your choice of work and 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 you can be successful and still work with good people um and I would never be I'd never say things like don't burn your bridges or I would always say fucking burn your bridges if it, if if you don't like <laughs> If you don't like what you're doing, move on, find, find something better. Um, I don't believe that the teachers and the principals are always right. So always question them. Um, you know, if you feel, if something feels uncomfortable and wrong, there's, there's a huge chance that it is. So yeah, contentment, I think just try, and I'm not even saying happiness because happiness is like, you know, happiness is a, is an ice cream or a, happiness is a holiday and contentment is where you're sitting in your own gaff and you're going oh this is this feels good you know i yeah. feel i feel at home here i feel comfortable here i like the people that are here with me i like my friends um i like the type of work i do um so success and happiness are sort of byproducts of contentment and and also what I try and I suppose I try and talk to them about what success is, and it's not necessarily money or a job, although they can come as, as a result of you being successful um, in your personal life. And that's, you know, it, 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 education is good, and you should always be learning. But people are people are more, more important than institutions or certificates.
1: Hallelujah. Um, and, and and moving dovetailing specifically into this now is um, something you're proud of as a dad and something you're proud of that you've achieved yourself in general life. I mean, that's, it's almost the same question because in in my opinion, when you become a dad, the proudest thing you do is your children and anything associated with them is good, but I'm not answering the question. You are.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think that I'm very proud of my children. Um, I'm obviously, or not obviously. Maybe it's not, not the same for everybody. But I'm very proud of my children. I am proud of their independence. I am proud of what they've done with that independence. Like my daughter was last during lockdown, she was very determined to get her to use that time to get her driving license. So she did, um, and she has now has a full license. Like so, she's she hasn't finished school yet. Yeah. And I just, I'm just looking at her going, fucking hell, that's amazing. Um, you, like
1: couldn't that's... Get a, you couldn't get out and have a chat with my son, could you? He's <laughs> his ass on a computer.
2: But he's he's achieving other amazing things that, you know, maybe, you know, he's building computers for fuck's sake,
1: you know? Yeah, but it will dawn on him one day that he needs to get a fucking car. And he's going, oh, shit.
2: Yeah, well, he as soon as he needs a car to help build his computers, he'll get a fucking license. Don't the, you worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Um but and I, and I'm not even saying that that's the reason like it that's that's that that could be me saying that's a sort of a material success, but it's not it's her determination uh, her you know knowing that this could if i can because I suppose we would talk to her and I said like, if you can get your you know get your driver's license, you don't have to worry about it all through college even if you don't drive it's always there if you, you've got it done and you know you never have to worry about it again um and I suppose it was just kind of testament to the type of person she is uh, that she's so driven and
1: um, but uh and and, and yeah. finn of course i mean you, you you use him sometimes in uh not use him that's the wrong word i totally um, use him
2: he's like, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, better yeah. looking than me he's funnier than me he's um, more skillful than me
1: he does stuff with a sort of what well, it's not a skateboard it's a little uh the scooter scooter so, yeah but I can only i mean and he does stuff in your in your hall or in your in your lounge, jumping off walls and doing backflips and stuff that I'd be thinking, oh, oh my God, you know, he's, so uh, he, you know, he's he, unbelievable. He's obviously driven as well. Yeah, he, he he's
2: driven He when he wants to learn something. And it's amazing to see him work because he'll like, OK, I want to do learn a backflip and he'll just work and work and yeah. work until he can do it. And he can backflip on a scooter as well if he has the right size ramp. And. Yeah. Um, but he also like I've seen him put a, an actual scooter together from parts, like he's and that he was doing that when he was eleven he's twelve now he will build a scooter from he will fix it. I had to buy an angle grinder recently <laughs> because he now uses an angle grinder, i mean under supervision, and we wear gloves and masks and all that, but that's where we're at like he's he says, I need an angle grinder to short these bars so they can i can build build the scooter that i've I've chosen all the different parts you know and,
1: and that's just like for me i'm like what the fuck like, blow my mind stuff you know um and, and then the part of the question that you're kind of ignoring is are you, are you proud of yourself
2: um oh. yeah some, i'm getting i'm getting there i've i still i feel like i've i'm very proud of i mean proud of the play and that was something the play that I wrote, which is a one-man show, if anybody's listened to us, know, it's called Pure Mental. Hopefully you'll be able to see it soon in a theatre near you. Uh, I was proud of that because that was something I wanted to do. I really pushed for it uh, and I worked hard at it. And it was all like sometimes like achievements, like the, like being doing five years on the two of my breakfast show you know, it's not mm. necessarily exactly what I wanted to do, but it was a good job and I enjoyed it. And for what it was, but with the play, it's all mine. It's, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and got, the fact that I've done it. Yeah. And all these people helped, you know, because you can't do these things on your own, but I'm very proud that I, I'm a great man. For, I used to be a great man for talking about things. I've gotten better at actually um, doing it. And that's the first thing that I've kind of, created and you know has been and it's been a successful more more successful than i ever thought you know i mean to write a play is one thing to actually perform it's another thing to get money to
1: tour it is a whole other universe you know but coming from somebody who is getting to know you you should be proud of yourself from where you've come just i'm not blowing smoke up your ass um but you know you you do all these things and as you said yourself you do achieve stuff and uh you know you have me on this podcast which i'm very grateful for very grateful for the opportunity but you know but you you've been very nice you know you you know you should be proud you should be proud of what you got who who you've got around you says a lot and the questions that they're asking says a lot about them mm-hmm. and your relationship which is kind of nice you know um it's it shows that you're doing something right with your kids and uh you're you're keeping your wife annoyed which is obviously a blessing <laughs> yeah. And she's looking for you to do more challenges, which kind of says to me that she's looking for you to get out of your house. Get out of the house. Get him, yeah. get, get him to do a marathon in Dubai yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so very quickly, to, to we've got still got a couple of bits from Anna to do. Um, and it's, it's kind of, I'm not paraphrasing, would you do anything differently in life looking back? I suppose is that a regret question? And is there any advice you'd give to your younger self?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. I would have gone to therapy much younger and dealt with the shit I needed to deal with, my traumas, as is the, the sort of the, the way of explaining that these oh. days. I would have done that a lot younger. Yeah, but you don't know to do that, and I don't. So yeah, that's what I would do differently. And I think, I think everybody would have benefited from that. Like my my wife, my family, my kids, me, um, and you know, I probably would have done. Probably should have, I should, probably should have backed. Look, it's, it's, I should have backed myself years ago yeah. to just try and do the things I really wanted to do because I'm only realizing now that I can and I should and I will. Um, but I should have been doing this years ago, you know. But that's, I've only gotten to this point with the experience of having lived the life I've lived up until now. And for those who peaked too soon, up yours, watch out. Here comes Keith.
1: brilliant and that sort of ends the questioning from your family and everything else um and we haven't even got past 22 years old really
2: it's a two-parter
1: mike it's a two-parter certainly a (laughs) two-parter because i wanted i was really interested in what you did between you know the 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 hunger years when when we didn't know each other
2: yeah, we can do a special on that. Maybe yeah. another another time, Mike. We'll do part two in a few months, maybe.
1: There you go. Yeah, maybe the hundredth.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, actually, that'll be good. Yeah, we'll see how this one goes. If no one, <laughs> there's no interest, we won't. We'll just bury it, pretend it never happened. But that was so, interesting. What? Jesus Christ, that was funny. <clears throat> I'll have to lie down now.
1: Yeah, I think you should do or lie down and and have yourself a sandwich.
2: That's no five o'clock, Mike. Come on.
1: Yeah. I have loads of stuff to ask you. I had a, I had a, like pages of stuff, and I just haven't got to any of it really. Um, for which I apologise. And if that was a complete fucking waste, don't ever put it up. It
2: was that was brilliant. It was great. I mean, I, the only, ta- the only reason I think it was a waste because, because it's about me. But uh, no, no, I was very, imp- no, no, no. very impressed with the questions from my family. I have to say, they were, mm. they were.
1: They allowed me to be Brian, incisive Dobson.
2: I was impressed with your questions too.
1: <laughs> Didn't really have any. It was really good. You're you're very good, Mike. No, 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 no. This is not about me. This is about you. Let's zone in on you. <laughs> um, and I think if anybody wants to touch on your um, traumas, you, you let quite a lot go in the recent podcast with Willie Willer. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I think people should listen to that. Um, I think that's up there with one of the best podcasts talk about listening you know that is you know justin you listened you let them off Willie, Willie, you just let him off you would know you had no choice that man was going to talk for ireland anyway he was brilliant but you know he he came out with some fantastic stuff you know his his um thing about spirituality versus religion religion is for people who want to go to heaven and spirituality is for those of us who've been to hell. Yeah, I mean Jesus, he's got Buddha written all over him. You know,
2: and he, he. I mean, I, I didn't want to have any questions asked because I, all I wanted to do was listen to his story. Yeah. You know and yeah. uh, and he, even like last week, he messaged me on the Monday. He was like, just thinking of your man. You know, uh,
1: what a, a legend! Mm. An absolute gentleman. I mean, I couldn't get over. How again? I didn't think I was going to like this fella because I, I, you know, I thought, you know, oh, yeah, Des Bishop, Ballymon, it's kind of hackneyed. It's this, that, and the other. Nothing, nothing could prepare me for what he came out with. Uh, there was another thing about, you know, having nice cars and having things and having money and whatever. And he's just like, you know, it's no good being like. I'm trying, I'm doing his acts now. Being like uh, Gucci on the outside and Oxfam on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> His imagery everything about him he should be i mean he is on the stage but yeah you know as well he's, as delivering flowers he's brilliant he's
2: Absolutely really good brilliant. yeah and i love that he's like yeah i was delivering flowers today because there's no work in the buildings and he's like <laughs> and i'm like but you're a stand-up you're a, a, an actor he's like yeah he just like he's always done he's always had a day job yeah like you know and there's uh, similarities with you just achieve things just get them done just you know? done i have to go on and i have flowers to deliver mike <laughs> uh, that was great. Thanks to Owen for suggesting it. Thanks to Mike for for all the preparation. I mean, I, I can I tell you something. I didn't want to give you too much notice.
1: Right. Okay. I feel like yeah. you might
2: you might have fretted about it, and uh, and I think
1: uh, I, I of... actually had the the squidgy poos this morning thinking about it. You know, that's I, guess, what I, I... I didn't want you to have a week of that. So um, I think did no, f- I would have gotten over it. I I kind of worry about things for a second, but you know, going back to what we've talked about on this podcast before. I, I actually, uh, I don't. I'm not good when I write stuff down. I kind of think about things, yeah. and then I think about things, and I think about things. And you're best not to dwell on things. You're best to just to, those first five things that come into your head are normally the right sort of thing to go with. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was very good. You were uh, uh, and I, for I being uh, so honest. Hey, look, man, that's fucking what else? Like you know, <laughs> I know yeah, yeah. But and thanks I, to it, it, your family as well.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm amazed. I'm delighted. I'm not surprised.
1: No. I wouldn't be.
2: It's literally. because like it's funny when you live with three people and they're just not that they've nothing to they've just got their own thing going on and it's brilliant, you know.
1: But that's all you can ask for. Mm. Your job is done. Man fucking, angle grinder. Fucking fucking girl wife. who can ask better questions than anybody on RTE it's and like, a wife who knows you inside out and literally wants you out of the house really. Get him get him to do a marathon in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> She got the
2: fucking, she got the cut you, you know. <laughs> oh man, listen, enjoy the rest of the weekend, Mike. Okay, Thanks, best. as always. There's
1: rugby on today? I might even watch the rugby.
2: Yeah, Ireland. Jesus, who am I? I I'm forgetting about matches. Yeah.
1: Thank
2: God. Okay, I'll get on that shit. Enjoy. It's Ireland versus England, so. Yeah. Yeah. So get, let's get one over on the old enemy.
1: Yeah, those Irish. Yeah, those fucking
2: Irish rugby playing dicks. I hope the English beat them.
1: <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Thank
2: you very much. Good luck. Thank, Thank you, me. Mike. Good luck. You. Thank you. There you go. The Life of Keith Walsh, part one, brought to you by the History Channel on BBC Radio 1. Um, I hope you enjoyed there. that there, me talking about myself. Um, I hope you found it interesting Um interesting enrapturing and engaging and all of those things Uh, shout out to Mike for his he's a born interviewer great job like an Eamon Andrews like a Terry Wogan like if Terry Wogan and Eamon Andrews did it that's a bit weird isn't it it's a weird image God rest them both if they did it in heaven Mike would be the product a match made in heaven, um thanks to my family for some really great engaging, insightful, and thought provoking questions um yeah, really good, really enjoyed that. I'm recording this bit now afterwards, so but after that I had to go on later, I was wrecked. I was no use to anybody all day Sunday. My wife wanted to it was kind of sunny Sunday, early sun was shining it was kind it was warm it was warm I went for a run and came back and my wife was talking about having a barbecue so I went to the shop and got all the bits and I even got some wood for this little stove outside in case it got a bit chilly later on But by the time I got back from the shops it was Baltic and uh, we couldn't have sat outside but, and I was too wrecked you know when you're cold when you're tired and you're like no I couldn't in the in the old days I would have got a few beers on me and just you know gone for it but uh, I'd I'd have suffered at some stage for it but no now I'm just like nah too cold sorry it's not happening but it, 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 my wife then did actually agree with me and said no it's too cold but she did cook on the barbecue in fairness to her the snags and the what do you put in the barbecue titties she put a few tinnies on the Barbie. Uh, anyway, so um, why why was I talking about that? Oh yeah, I was very tired afterwards. Um, God, God's a hard. I have a hard life talking about myself, and then being too tired to enjoy the barbecue. <laughs> Fucking hell!
0: Oh
1: Jesus! Shut up!
2: Shut up, would you? Gob, sh gum, gum bean, gob shite. Uh, Thank you very much, anyway, for listening. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to my family. Thanks to you. Thanks to everybody. There will be a part two at some stage, I'd imagine. We might do it for episode 100 for the crack. Or we'll just get someone really famous. Or it'll just be a chat with me and Mike. We shall decide. Um, Yeah, that's it. Uh, i got to go. Thanks very much for listening. Tell your friends about it. Thanks to Acast, as always. And... uh, I will see you the next time on the Keith Walsh podcast. Mind how you go. Behave yourself. And most of all, be yourself.
1: Yeah, man. Heavy, heavy shit. Philosophy. Good night.